Hello everybody, welcome to our second episode, the second episode of our new podcast which we started a couple of weeks ago, The Maple Leaf, where we talk about immigration in Canada and the latest trends around the immigration space. Um, so we've been discussing many things about visitor visa. The last time we had a podcast episode, we discussed many things. I hope you guys liked it and enjoyed it. A lot of people had given us positive feedback. We loved it. And that's why we are back here again with another episode. And this time we are going to be talking about the study visa, which is also uh, a quite a popular uh, you know, immigration program in the Canadian immigration space. So we are going to be talking about it. We are going to explore different questions people have from different parts of the world about study permit, how to pursue it, what are the challenges people face, and what they should be ready for uh, when they pursue uh, a study permit coming to Canada. So today we have our guest, I mean, not the guest, of course, the the, the man in the show, uh, Ronan Kersfeld, uh, here with us to discuss about this, share his insights, share his thoughts about all these questions that different people have. Now, these questions, I put them up on different platforms and asked people what are questions they have about, uh, you know, study permit to Canada. And these are questions that are being bought by a lot of people. So I'm sure you'd be able to relate to them as well. So without a further ado, let's get into the questions. Let's dwell. Before that, let me also ask a little bit about Ronen. Ronen, how are you? How are you doing? How is the week? We're doing great. Very, very busy. Uh... Canada, obviously, I think, is number one for immigration worldwide. There's a backlog of 2.6 million applications. We're not happy about that. But that shows the demand, and IRCC is doing everything to clear it. But I guess that's going to be a topic for a different, for a different podcast. But we'll yeah. try to focus on students. But the important thing today, I'm going to tell you the truth, okay? Uh, a lot of students <clears throat> are exploited and misled, sorry, I have a little sore throat, are misled to believe that they come to Canada, they get an automatic PR, and there's a lot of misconceptions there. So we're going to put the facts straight, and hopefully that's going to help. Perfect. I, mean, I think that putting the facts out there straight is very important, because otherwise, you know, a lot of people, they come with high expectations to Canada, they don't know what to expect them, and they come there and they get totally disappointed with all what has happened. So it's good for people to be aware of what's to, what to expect. So a lot of information is going to be shared. So stay tuned till the uh, end of this podcast so that you benefit from it. So without a further ado, let's get to the first question. Uh, Ronan, I would like to ask you, see, when a student wants to choose a destination to study abroad, Canada comes up somehow on top of the list, right? So it has been the case over the past 20 years. So what is the biggest reason a student chooses or why is it that you know Canada comes on the top and what is the biggest benefit of studying in Canada? So there are a couple benefits. Number one, of course, the education. We have very good institutions. They always rank top 100, top 500 in many of the surveys worldwide. So that, that goes without saying. However, many of the students, international students, already have education. They have bachelors, they have masters, they have college degrees. I spoke to many deans in many schools, 
and hands down, I would say, without sugaring it, without hiding it, 99% of students come because this is a very good pathway if you do it properly for permanent residents later on. So for example, Canada has many, many programs that allow students to become permanent residents later on. Again, we're going to discuss those programs in a second, but hands down, I would say 99% of students come here because this is a pathway for permanent residence. Right, so that is the biggest benefit they get. Of course, yes, there could be other benefits, but there is no benefit, better benefit than, you know, getting permanent residency in Canada that would lead to eventually citizenship. So it, it's great. That's, that would be definitely the biggest uh, benefit, of course. Uh, Ronan, let me also ask you, see, uh, students coming to Canada, like you said, they come pursuing permanent residency afterwards, but then do you think there is a real advantage to pursuing Canadian education uh, in terms of, you know, afterwards going to permanent residency? Is there a, a specific advantage in pursuing this education? Yeah, in terms of permanent residency, that really helps because if somebody studies in Canada, it helps them find a better job pretty much on level ground with Canadian students because, of course, Canadian employers usually look for two things depending, of course, on the job. One is Canadian experience. The other one is Canadian education. And many of the programs actually have a co-op portion or, as you well know, when students graduate, they can get an open work permit and that allows them to also gain the experience. So definitely studying here helps move up in the workforce. I don't think it's a prerequisite, but definitely it's a big asset. Yeah, I understand because the thing is now when, when, when you come from abroad, uh, from a different country, your perspectives, your thoughts are all different. And then you, when you accustom yourself to the Canadian culture, the lifestyle, the, the, the pattern of thinking, the thought process, uh, when, you, when you adapt to the Canadian lifestyle while you're studying in college, employers feel obviously a little bit more uh, inclined towards employing you because they know that you some somewhat to a certain extent is a part of the Canadian soil for the for the past two or three years. So they will definitely feel, uh, you know, uh, more, more comfortable in employing like that. And then that would eventually also benefit them, uh, get the experience and then go for Canadian experience class or whatever. So I understand that perfectly. So another question that I would like to ask is see now, there are different pathways, there are thousands of uh, pathways that students can choose when they want to uh, choose studying in Canada, right? So as, as, as a matter of fact, I did a little bit of study uh, in the Canadian education space. And I figured that there's two different avenues of education. One is the, the college education, and then there's also universities. So that is totally different in other parts of the world, right? You don't have colleges and universities. I mean, technically both are the same thing, right? Is there any difference in the Canadian education framework uh, you know, in, re in relation to comparing, you know, universities and colleges? So typically universities have more theoretical programs, okay, business, political science, biology, chemistry, also very specific, such as accounting, law school, med school, colleges, their trades, but they also have many very good programs, mm -hmm. which are hands-on in computer science, uh, universities have good programs. So we always tell our clients for the perspective of immigration, they're the same. If you take a two-year program in college for immigration, you get 
almost the same benefit as a bachelor degree or a master. Of course, you know, when you're going to express entry, there's some variation with the score. But definitely, I would say most international students probably going to public colleges. The important thing when it comes to immigration is to choose either a public institution, whether it be a community college or a university, or a school which allows the student to get the postgrad work permit when they graduate. This is very, very important. But from the perspective of immigration, they're all about the same. We typically tell our students to choose the city you want to study and then choose the program you want to study. Then you can look at the cost and you can start looking at reviews. You can go into the syllabus of the programs. And this is something very subjective. But for immigration, they're almost about the same. Yeah, I, I, I think I think I understand that perfectly. When you said um, you're choosing a university that is accepted by the IRCC, are you referring to the DLI, the Designated Learning Institute? Yeah, so all, all institutions, when you apply for a student visa, there's the DLI that you just mentioned. As long as the school is on the list, one, you can apply for the student visa. If it's not on the list, don't even bother, run away, maybe a, a scam or a fraud. The other thing which is very important, the list also now indicates, it wasn't the case about two, three years ago, which schools allow for postgrad work permit, okay? So typically the public school, no, not, not an issue. Private schools have some rules. And in the past, a lot of private schools, they attracted students and they didn't really tell them that when they graduate, they will not get a postgrad work permit. And, you know, then the student had to find other ways, which was very tough. Right now, this is all listed. Okay, so make sure you choose a program which is on the DLI, of course, the school is on the DLI, and it allows to get a postgrad work permit. Very, very important. So uh, for those of you who do not know, uh, the DLI, uh, you know, accepted institutes, uh, the list is available on the IRCC website, so they just can type on Google uh, the DLI, DLI. and you will be able to find out details about it so that you don't, you are not caught up going to, uh, you know, universities which does the offer, uh, you know, that pathway. So the next question I would like to ask you is, Ronan, see someone accepts, wants to go into a university and they're keen to start the process. What's generally the process? Can you take me through those initial steps that they need to take in order to uh, pursue uh, or get a study permit? Yeah, so first of all, the student must get an LOA, <clears throat> which is a letter of acceptance. There are many ways to get that. Some students apply directly to the school, that's fine. Some use agents that have agreements with the school. Some use edtech uh, companies. But again, the most important part is to get the letter of acceptance. When you apply for the program, I always say many, there are many, 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 many agents out there. Some are very good, some are not so good. Some, you have to remember, those agents get paid from the schools, okay? They get commission. So as long as they're fair and they show you the schools and the programs that you're really interested in, rather than trying to push you know, a certain program to you because the school may pay them higher commission, the important thing is always, I always tell the students, even if you go through a very reputable agent, please go on the school's website, okay? You can find a program, you can see the requirements, whether language exam, what maybe it's waived, what are the other prerequisites in terms of high school education or other courses, Read the syllabus. Look, you're going to spend one, two years, three years, depending on the program of your life in the school. This is real school. It's not a joke. You have to be a student. So make sure you know what you're going into. Just like, you know, there's this, we had this client as a student. He was rejected, not by us, the first time. 
we got them approved. But the good thing, when I when we went over uh, preparing his application, and part of the application is to do a, you know everybody calls it differently. We call it a study a study plan, but this explains a statement of purpose or whichever way people call it. This this explain why the student wants to come and study in the particular uh, program. And when we asked the student, he knew the name of the school. He kind of knew what program he's going into, but he didn't know anything else. When we asked him questions about it, he had no clue. So when he went to the website, you know what happened? He actually changed programs, okay? And then we reapplied under the new program. So this is very, very important. We tell students, even with the LOA, make sure you go on the website, make sure you understand what you're getting into, because even if you get the visa and you come to Canada and you find out, you know, this program is not what I thought it was. It's not for me. I had no clue. Yet. You know, then you have to start switching programs and, you know, it's time and money, right? So that's the first thing, to get the letter of acceptance. Once you get the letter of acceptance, you need to have your study permit application filed. And that's another very important and critical stage. Some use lawyers, some use consultants, some do on their own. Many actually defer to the agents to do it. Some agents, as I said, are very good. They may be working with lawyers or consultants. They know what they're doing. Others have no clue. And for them, it's a numbers game. So if they get 100 letters of acceptance, and you know, 20% get in, they make their money from the commission. But some of them really have, we've seen applications that are horrendous. They have no clue how they're doing it. Again, some are pretty good. But at the end of the day, you're the applicant. You're the candidate. The buck stops with you. Make sure you're on top of it, okay? Uh, but pretty much the second part is to apply for the study permit. And once you get the study permit, come to Canada and study. Brilliant. So uh, that's pretty pretty much a simple process where you get the LOA, then you have to apply for the study permit. So the study permit has uh, generally uh, a few steps that you need to take where the lawyers or the agents come in to help. Um, so thank you, Ronan, for that answer. Uh, also, let me ask you uh, one more thing. Uh, see, a lot of people, when they come to Canada, they study and, and they get into a career, right? Uh, do you th really think that based on the understanding of the Canadian labor market, uh, Canadian education helps with job placement? Look, you know, some you're talking to a person who believes in the value of education to tell you that's the only criteria employers look for probably not they look for experience they want to see who the person is they're creative they can think but definitely especially for a newcomer having canadian education really helps with finding a job and you know we have many clients or students and they did a co-op program and many of them remained with the same employer they that they coped with right they did the internship with as part of their program so it definitely helps. Right, brilliant. Uh, Ronan, I would like to also ask you, see, uh, a lot of these people who come in as students to Canada, uh, there has been, I was just reading up on in the internet that there are over 650,000 students uh, who come to Canada to study every year. So that's, that's a lot of students, right? So most of these students, they come from uh, countries which are not that well to do. Uh, financially, they they uh, they are they are very bad, right? So from Sri Lanka, from India, from Pakistan, all these countries are not re really well to do financially. So coming to Canada can cost. I mean, studying in Canada can cost a lot, right? So can you advise us? Can a student, you know, coming into Canada, 
work while studying? What are the implications around it? Because they really need to do that in order to cover at least a little bit of expenses around studying in Canada. Can they do that? Yeah. So, so first of all, I didn't know it was six hundred thousand. I thought it was closer to the four hundred thousand, but I'm sure the demand is is very high. Yeah, but that, I was just reading the statistics. The last year, 2021, it says that six hundred fifty-one thousand people have migrated to Canada through the study so, permit. Oh, that's, that's that's amazing. Uh, you know, we didn't file six hundred thousand applications, but that that's fine. So, so look, so the reality, and we deal with a lot of students. Uh, you know, I think to preface. Uh, you know, to answer your question, you have to understand the background. So, so the short answer, yes, students can work 20 hours during the week. Okay, they can work full time during the break. Recently, IRCC, because we have such an acute uh, labor shortage here, they announced that until the end of 2023, students can work full time, okay, while they study. Of course, those students that bring their spouses, if they have, the spouse can also work uh, on an open permit, and that usually also alleviates the financial hardship. So that's a short answer. The longer answer is this, that when we deal with the student and we deal with many, many students, some students we are fortunate enough to really start from the outset, even before they get the acceptance letter or just when they got the acceptance letter and we have to file the, the study permit. That's why we call our program study, work and migrate. But the strategy has to really be carefully planned. Okay, because otherwise people will just get lost in the shuffle, they'll be disappointed, and they're going to be disillusioned, and you know what, they would lose a lot of money too. So we're fortunate to get some at the outset, but some we get when they're already in Canada. And as you said, some every student is different. Some students come from very wealthy families, some come from very poor families, and you know we have clients that are telling us that the whole family pulled the money together for the one person to come and study in Canada, right? So... I always tell the students, remember, you have to study. You're still a student. You have to keep good academic standing because otherwise you can be suspended and that can affect your study permit. Okay. So everybody has different determination level. It's important for the student to come with their eyes wide open. But I find out that those that are very determined, not only they do they, they succeed in school, they succeed in work afterward. And afterwards and they get their PR. Okay, so the short answer, yes, they can work. The spouse, if there is a partner, can work as well. And that helps. But you have to come ready. You have to know that you're going to sacrifice for the first couple of years as a student. Then it's going to start getting better and better and better. But those that come determined and with a plan, they succeed. But the last thing we want the message to be, and I tell that to also agents, education agents, which we work with, is it's very easy to market Canada. Canada is a great country. And yes, the education pathway is definitely part of the best pathways to, to become permanent residents after. Why? Because you get the postgrad work permit. But it's not that simple as, okay, I got my study permit, I'm going to school. And I'm just going to sit around if everything is just going to fall from the sky. Students have a lot of challenges. It's a new country. They're, some are homesick. Some they can adapt better. Others, it takes them more time. So every student, it's a whole world. It's a whole different case. Yes, it really helps that they can work, but they have to remember their goal, right? Their goal is to do well in society, in school, and in work afterwards. And of course, 
get the permanent residence. So you don't want to sacrifice and overwork and affect your student visa as well. Yeah, that's that's a perfect answer, I guess. I mean, like if you're able to multitask and do well in both, you definitely should be considering that. But otherwise, if you are going to struggle, then that should not be an option, of course. So Ronan, uh, asking you about, you know, a perfect study permit application, there are, there are multiple steps, I'm sure. There is a lot of steps, but can you guide us towards what are the essentially most important steps that you need to take to ensure that it's a perfect study permit application? Yeah, so you mentioned the number of international students that come here. So that's probably 60% approval rate, okay? That's from the last time I checked. So that means about 40% get rejected. Okay. We take a student visa application and we try to see, it's not simple, but let's simplify it here. There's three things that we have to show. Number one, that the applicant is a real student, a genuine student that is being addressed with the study plan, okay? Or, you know, statement of purpose or whichever way people want to call it. We internally call it study plan. That's number one. Number two, we have to show that the student has the funds to pay for the first year tuition, plus support themselves. So it depends on the family size. It depends if the student maybe has relatives who are helping, maybe it's their parents, maybe it's their siblings, maybe they have some investment. So it also depends on the age of the student. That's number two. Number three, we have to show that the student has temporary intent, okay? In other words, has ties back home enough to compel them that if something goes wrong with their studies here or with their permanent residency application, they're, they're applicants that are likely to go back home. So those are the things we look at. It's very simple to say, much harder to show and prove that it's a craft, okay? But there's a reason why so many applications get rejected too. But those are the three things students should focus on. Everything else we say is background uh, modes. So see, Ronan, one of those things, common reasons why people get rejected across the globe is ties back home, right? Say so they say that, okay, uh, I think that you will not return back home uh, after after studies. But they, I mean, the immigration officers also know that most of these students, their, their ultimate goal is permanent residency, right? So they're not going to go back home, right? So they know that. So what is the real need to kind of show that they are going to go back so, home because ultimately they are not going yeah, to? Yeah, no, no, you're absolutely right. However, the act, the Immigration Act and Regulations allows for dual intent. So somebody can definitely have permanent residence aspirations, but also apply for temporary visa. But remember, they're not permanent residents yet. It's not a rubber stamp that when you graduate, you get your permanent residency. Therefore, the officer has to be satisfied that you're a person, let's say, Umar, if you come here and let's say you don't get your permanent residency for whatever reason, or maybe you don't like the school and you say, you know what, the heck with the school. You're somebody who is willing to go back and is likely to go back to your home country. That's a test. It's a very subjective test. You know, immigration started using artificial intelligence called Chinook. We're going to discuss it in a different podcast. So when we prepare an application now, we kind of do it twofold, okay? One, we try to cater to Chinook. B, we know that if the officer will not read everything and it may be a machine, we're ready for federal court, okay? So it's a very interesting way to prepare an application, but that's the right way to do it, to be very thorough and really make it ready that if 
it's refused, it's ready for court. Okay, so it's pretty much federal court proof. That's how we we call those those applications. Hopefully, and that's the intention. And most cases don't get to federal court; they get approved at the outset. However, that's how an application should be prepared. But still, it's something that the applicant must address. That's a temporary intent. Right, beautiful, beautiful. So one other thing that I want like to ask is, I would like to ask is that you know a, a lot of students who come uh, from outside Canada, uh, they they are quite you know quite older because they definitely come with aspirations to permanently move to Canada. So some of them or most of them could be the case uh, come to Canada with they want to come with their families. Does Canada have that option where they can come? Uh, they can bring their dependents while uh, they study in Canada? Yeah, definitely. So students in a public school or public institution, the spouse or the common law partner can definitely apply for an open work permit. And that happens a lot. Mm -hmm. Children under the age of 22 can come okay, as visitors. The only thing under 18 in most provinces, they can study in public school for free. Okay, if, the, if one of the parents is an international student, which is great. However, when that, uh, I want to say kid or dependent child becomes 19, 20 and wants to go to university, usually most schools will charge international student fees. But up to that age, yes, students can come, they can go to, uh, to public school, whether it's high school or elementary school. And I would say most students do bring their families, not everybody, but a lot of, a lot of students do. And of course, it's a subjective choice of, of the family. Brilliant, brilliant. Uh, one more thing, the last question perhaps to ask you is that, you know, see, uh, studying in Canada is is quite expensive. It's not it's not cheap, right? So how much of financial, uh, you know, planning should be done for, you know, coming to study in Canada? How much of a cost would a student incur to come and study in Canada? Is there anything that you can advise on that? So look, this is very, this depends on where the student is going to study. Every province, every city, even within a province, has different costs for rent and for accommodation and food. I think the rule of thumb, or it's not even rule of thumb, what I see from the students we have, and that's what even IRCC requires. They're required to see one-year tuition, plus I, I always say about 15000 okay, in, in, for accommodation and food and, and so forth. Uh, Many students work, okay? Some come with that money, but the family from back home, they, they continue to send money to support them. You know, I, I wanna tell you, being international student is a very good pathway for permanent residency. Why? Because it allows many, many students to work when they graduate. And you know, the rule of thumb says, if you work for one year, you really increase your chances, whether it's under the express entry. Also, there are lots of provinces that have special programs for international students whether they just graduated without a job offer. Some do require a job offer. Some require some work in the province. There are many, many programs. We're able to keep all our, all our students here, and we're very proud of this. However, this is not a rubber stamp. There are many, many students who came here, and they were sure, hey, I studied, there's my diploma, where's my PR? It doesn't work this way. And, you know, always it saddens us to see students really struggling. That's what they thought. Uh, it's gonna, going to happen and then reality hits them and it's not simple. That's why you have to pre-plan at the beginning. As I said, a lot of agents market Canada and Canada is a great country, of course. It's very easy to market Canada, 
but you have to be truthful, okay? You have to tell people what are they going to face, okay? Some, some were not ready for it. There are mental issues, mental breakdowns. Uh, they have to quit school. There are lots of stories here, and there's some, unfortunately, some schools here that also over-enrolled, so they, you know, they took money from students. So there are lots of bad stories. There are way more success stories. Canada is still probably one of the most popular countries for international students because of the option to work and get permanent residency after. But it has to be planned carefully. I always tell my clients, you know, it's great. I'm very happy you made the choice to study here, but you have to be ready. You have to be ready mentally, financially. And those that are determined, definitely they'll succeed. As I said, they'll succeed in school, they'll succeed at work, they'll get the permanent residency. But remember, this is not a rubber stamp. And that's the one criticism I have on some education agents. They, it's one thing to market Canada, but you have to be truthful to the students. It's a rubber stamp. We, as I said, we have the program, which is study, work, migrate. We hold your hand. We make sure everything is okay along the way. It's very, very important. But even if you're already here and you have other lawyers, that's fine. Make sure that you know what you're getting into. Uh, certainly, Canada has many, 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 many international students coming every year. You mentioned 600,000. It doesn't matter if it's 400,000, 600,000. Look at the math. Okay, the immigration plan is about four, 400 plus thousand per year. So it's not for, not everybody's going to get in. Or if they have to get in, they have to, to start be creative. So it's not a rubber stamp. Canadian education, of course, on biases is great. Canada is great, but you have, if I can, you know, convey one message, be ready, okay? This is not something that is simple. It starts simple, but then it gets complicated. But that being said, we have many clients of students, and it is probably the number one source for permanent residents. If you look at the statistics of immigration, I'm sure a lot of the applicants under the Express Entry in the past few years have been initially international students. It's very, very good uh, pathway. There are many actually programs geared towards international students, but please plan, be ready, and enjoy Canada. It is the best country. Absolutely, absolutely. I would like to say that, see, in this world, that we cannot get like everything 100% perfectly all right, right? There are downsides to everything. So Canada also, like here and there, you know, you know when you migrate to study, you might face a lot of hurdles and challenges on your way but from this side of the world the grass is always greener on the other side right so don't keep your expectations too high and come to canada because you you can get disappointed here and there you know so you like like ronan said i think we should be prepared coming into canada uh thank you very much ronan for your advice on that uh is there any closing remarks you would like to give before we conclude the podcast today yeah so i think your last statement is very very on point and accurate it's very important. I know I said it a hundred times this podcast. It's very important to plan ahead because, you know, I travel a lot for my work. So we have offices around the world and I've been to Brazil, Philippines, Sri Lanka, Singapore, Dubai, and there are probably other countries I can think of right now uh, for work. Okay. And there are many, many, many agents on the ground, including educational agents. Uh, including India, and I've been to India. And I'm stunned, you know, I walked on the street, it was in Chennai, and there's a building, I think there are like 100 billboards come and study in Canada, different companies, okay? Uh, 
a lot of them be very, very careful. Okay, there are good agents out there. I'm not saying agents are bad. They play a very important role, but unfortunately the bad ones are the ones that their clients or applicants, they suffer after. Do your homework. I think the example I gave you, a student that we dealt with, we had to refile because they got refused before, they got approved the second time, but they had no clue other than maybe the name of the school, what they're getting into. And for me, that was a shock. Okay, so it's, and I don't blame the student because the agent told them, oh yeah, you just sign here, sign there, and don't worry, we'll take care of the rest. And we had to fix the rest, okay? So this is a very important message, what you had. Again, international students, amazing pathway for immigration. Okay, many programs available, but be ready. The last thing we want young people to come here, uh, spend a lot of money, and it's a lot of family pressure for them to succeed because maybe the families pulled money together. If you plan ahead properly, you'll be fine. Otherwise, I don't want you to be disappointed. And we want everybody to, to contribute to Canada. That's, that's the whole point. It's a great country. There are lots of jobs available. Everybody knows about the labor shortage we have. But student, very good program. You get education, the Canadian education. It puts you in a kind of equal level with Canadians. But please, do your homework before. Even if you're already here, still do your homework. Okay, very important. Thank you, Umar. Thank you very much, Ronan. I think one day we should discuss about this uh, on another podcast. Maybe we should discuss about fake agents and how to tackle and uh, all of that stuff. Because there's yeah, a absolutely, lot of I think this will be many, many podcasts. You know, I can give you, a, I can give you a little preview. You know, occasionally we get emails from clients with a retainer, which is not our retainer, of course. Somebody tried to fake our retainer, and I'm stunned. And those people even gave deposits to agents. And couple agents, we you know we spent some money, we were able to track down and and we stopped it. But yes, that's uh, definitely one podcast and and more. We're discussing yeah. that, we should yeah. be discussing that. But thank you very much, Ronan. So viewers, if you ever have anything that you want to do with immigration, we are here to support you at Kurzfeld Law. Get in touch with us. The website is there. The telephone number, the, the contact details of us is there in the description below or our website immigrationway.com uh, you can come there get in touch with us and we are all here to support you in terms of your immigration needs uh, from the beginning so that if it's a study service from the study permit right up to you know getting your permanent residency we are here to hold your hand and we'll be definitely supporting you looking forward to supporting you all so get in touch without further ado thank you very much for joining us listening to us uh, watching us of course today uh, we look forward to catching you all up in another podcast episode that is coming up soon. Thank you very much once again. Thank you, Ronin. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Omar. Us. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Bye. Bye.